Welcome to another edition of Campus Life, the college half of our Campus to Canton podcast. And yes, you are hearing my voice here. Austin is off in the Cayman Islands taking care of, quote, business. Uh, so I am joined here by uh, a newer member of our staff, brought him in uh, over the summer here, uh, Chris K, at Realist Chris K on Twitter, uh, CFF DFS guru over here at CampusToCanton.com co-host of the Bet on C2C podcast with Brandon Sanders and Ethan Sowers, and co-host of the Burning the Red Shirt podcast uh, with Andrew P. Katz and Zach Toe. Uh, Chris, man, how's it going? Tell us, uh, t- tell us a little bit of how you got started in CFF, all that good stuff. Yeah, it's, it's good. It's good. I'm just uh, enjoying the season so far. I, I got into fantasy college, college fantasy football um maybe like six seven years ago and it was just you know i wanted to play dfs and i loved college football and i figured you know it truly was and it still is to an extent a sport where if you just do the research you put yourself in such an advantage uh over other people i mean hence why there's so many sites popping up like campus to canton there, you get a lot of good intel people will pay for it and you can really get a good leg up so i've been doing that for about six seven years there was that hiatus when they got rid of it which was just a bummer uh, and have been playing a little bit more aggressively the last couple of years since. But I've uh, been jumping on more podcasts lately, Burning the Red Shirt, um, Bet on C2C with those guys, and got back into a little bit of writing. I, I took a hiatus from that as well and enjoying getting back into it here at uh, Campus to Canton. So, yeah. Nice, man. I mean, we definitely appreciate all the content you've been putting out for us here. I mean, just just some high level stuff, just making people money every single week. Um, if you guys aren't familiar with Chris's stuff over at our site, um, it's cause you got to subscribe to the NIL tier, you know, uh, Chris is out there making you money. Um, so you gotta, gotta chip into the top tier there to, to get access to that. Yeah, that's a I, DFS is a really fun moneymaker of sorts. You know, you're not tied into a bad decision for a full year. You can just wipe away that decision. Ever, that's poor every Saturday. So um, I enjoy it. It's good content. Ethan does a great job of providing stuff. And then we always have, obviously, that podcast, which is free. Um, you can check out, I, be- I believe it's free. Uh, you can yep. check out and, uh, and at the very least get some content there. But yeah, it's fun stuff. Yeah, uh, I've been learning a lot from you guys on the bet on C2C. Like, I mean, the first episode just kind of you guys just breaking down some of the strategy behind it has been huge. And, and obviously you guys have been doing that in each episode as well and breaking down you know, just the, the why behind, you know, your decisions and stuff. And that's just been so, so helpful. Um, you know, I very, very new to the CFF space myself, uh, more of a Debbie background and then into C2C and then into CFF through that. So that's kind of been my path, but I'm still learning a lot. And and you guys have been been huge and instrumental in that. Well, thanks. Yeah, it's um, if you can, if you understand, you know, obviously the game script, game theory, and there's a lot of different strategies and what you want to do and what you don't want to do. And um, a lot of it makes sense, but sometimes you just don't know what you don't know, or you've never heard it. And once you hear it, you're like, ah, of course, like, why would I not do that? Um, stuff like that. And Ethan, I mean, obviously Brandon does a great job, but Ethan's been really pretty analytical and uh, really digs in there too, which has been fun to, to, work with him as well on that bet bet on c2c podcast yeah yeah you and ethan provide a nice like analytical approach on the things too which uh you know like i said that really helps you understand the why behind things when you understand the numbers behind it and and you can just see like okay here's the trends 
this is why it's going that way. This is why I got to play, uh, play Jalen Wayne this week or, or, you know, somebody like that. Um, yeah. Right. So it's uh, right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been great. It's been a great addition to our content there, but uh, we'll get into the show here this week. Uh, we'll do a little bit of week three review, uh, hit up some waiver wires, talk about some offenses that have, you know, uh, we're buying or selling based on preseason expectations. And then we'll get into the start sits. Um, but before we get into it, this podcast is part of the fantasy points media group, along with a ton of other great pods. You can follow all of them on Twitter at Fantasy Points Live or check out the Friday Drops that recap the week in the Fantasy Points Media Group. Uh, and if you're looking for some additional CFF or NFL content besides us, um, you know, head on over to the uh, Fantasy Points site. Use Campus22 as the promo code. You get 10% off of a membership over there. Uh, but we'll start here with the week three in review. Uh, we had some nice games this weekend here. Um, one of the first ones we, you know, we'll talk about here and uh, it was one of the better ones of the weekend as well, at least in terms of the matchup. Didn't quite end as close as people thought initially here. We got NC State and Texas Tech. Um, Texas Tech, both QBs kind of struggled in this one here. Donovan Smith, uh, 21 for 36, 214 yards, one touchdown, two picks. Baron Morton gets in a little bit there, four for seven, 85 yards and a pick. Um, do you have any read on how this QB situation is going moving forward? I mean, uh, they, both of these guys kind of struggled. Donovan Smith has some good moments. Yeah, I mean, I think there's only one happy member of that quarterback group, and it's Tyler Shuck. Um, <laughs> I think Morton obviously didn't win the job for a reason, and he was the third quarterback going into the, the season, right? Shuck yeah. goes down after looking really nice. Donovan Smith comes in and looks good. He just makes so many questionable decisions. It's not like he threw two picks. Like, he's throwing stuff that should be pick sixes if they're not, right? Like, it's his decision-making is so poor. It's one thing to throw a pick. It's another just to give him six points. And that's what it feels like Donovan Smith's doing. I can imagine – I don't know who's going to start next week. I mean, they brought in Morton, right? So they, there's some interest there. I just know that once Shuck's healthy, that's he's back. There's no – I mean, there's no way Texas Tech can continue to go with this inconsistent quarterback play. Yeah, I mean, Donovan Smith one moment looks fantastic and, you know, he'll escape the pocket, escape some rush and then he won downfield. And then the next he throws that terrible pick six, like you're saying, in the NC State game where just flat out did not see that defender. And it's going the other way. Uh, Bear Morton was a guy that I was, uh, was pretty high on in the offseason here. Um, you know, I didn't I saw Tyler Shuck is probably the guy who was going to win that job. But I thought Baron Morton would be a good fit um, just stylistically in Kitley's offense. and then just really falling into the third QB in there and then did not look great in this one here. Now limited sample size. We'll see how it goes next week here, but am I, am I delusional for having some hope here in Baron Morton? I don't think so. I mean, he was what a four star. This is just a little bit of a complex system, right? Like there are pieces to it that you're just not going to get one or two years out of college with no real experience or out of high school with no real experience. Morton's certainly the fit. And I think they just figure we had, you know, they figured we had to go Smith based on, um, you know, Morton's experience, maybe where he's at, ready to go. But it's definitely not Donovan Smith at this point. I mean, the, the crazy thing, too, is that he doesn't even provide like a rushing uh, benefit. So I think, you know, I would be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if they went Morton in this one, this next one, because they know what they have in Smith. They might as well give it a shot. 
to be fair, NC State's a really good defense with a ton of great playmakers on the other, you know, that side of the field. So it wasn't going to be an easy, um, an easy matchup for anybody. But at this point, I don't think you're crazy to think Morton has some upside. He's got a couple weeks potentially to prove it for sure. Let's hope. Fingers crossed. That'll that'll make me sound smart if he can come through. If not, you know, what's another miss for me? But um, speaking of some misses here, can we trust any of the pass catchers in this offense on a week in week out basis? I mean, there are 11 different players uh, that caught a pass in this game against NC State. Seven different players have double digit targets on the year here. Is there anybody we can rely on weekly? I think Miles Price is the guy that you can rely on. Um, I mean, I, don't, I think there's going to come a point where he's probably too expensive in like DFS terms, of, you know, side of things. But if you have him in CFF or C2C leagues, right? Like, I wouldn't have an issue playing him. It's just you're going to get games where he goes four for fifty and a touchdown, like he did against NC State, and then you're going to get games where he has ten for a hundred, right? That's just going to be really inconsistent. He's just not the second round, third round type redraft pick that we thought he was. Um, besides that, you know, this Nehemiah Martinez guy is starting to kind of come out of nowhere. I couldn't, you can't trust him. Same with Taj Brooks. I liked, I would have thought Jaran Bradley would be like that, you know, reliable guy, but I mean, the, he just didn't do a whole lot. Right. So I think price is the only guy you can really kind of rely on consistently. And otherwise you're just kind of looking for the, those upside great matchups at home or until shucks back. Um, for those other guys. Yeah. I mean, I think the big appeal with Bradley was he kind of fit the downfield passing of Donovan Smith. You know, I think if they go Morton, then that's definitely going to benefit price even more, but yeah, I, I agree. I mean, price second on the team in targets behind Bradley, but he's the more reliable option there. Like, well, you said, he's just, he isn't quite what we thought he was going to be. He's not the second coming of Jareth Stearns here from last year. Um, so it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this this plays out with the kind of the revolving door at quarterback and how that plays out. Um, but on the other side of things, we got NC State here. Uh, NC State coming away with the win here. Uh, but Devin Leary, there's been a lot of uh, a lot of talk in the in the off season here in the preseason leading up to this year about how you know he could be a first round guy. He could be the QB three in this class behind Young and Stroud. He was getting some. Uh, some some draft hype there, but he has yet to throw for more than 240 yards this year. And they've had some cupcake matchups on the schedule. ECU, not a great team there in week one. Um, week two, I can't remember who it was. It was an FCS opponent. Um, is Leary almost droppable at this point in CFF? I mean, he just hasn't been producing. I might give him another week. And the only reason why I say that is just because Jordan Houston got hurt. I'm curious to see how much of an injury that is. Like, is that just a concussion? Was it something that's going to be a couple weeks here? Um, you know, last year, Leary didn't really have like a receiver, like a top receiver. He still doesn't really have that in like your typical CFF mold. He's just lost so much volume this year and he's not super efficient like he was last year. I'll give, I would give him one more shot. Depends on league structure and stuff like that, obviously, but I wouldn't have an issue waiting one more time. He's going to have a lot of interesting, intriguing games in the ACC that make me think, you know, so you probably spend a little bit too much to cut bait on them already, you know? So that's a fair point. Uh, you know, I, I, we could see some softer matchups here coming up in the ACC. 
but in terms of draft type here, is there are there still the same draft hopes that we're seeing out of him, or has that kind of been been put to bed a little bit here? I know you're more of a CFF guy, but put on the NFL I, hat for a moment. I can't imagine people are loving what they're seeing, right? They probably look at last year at this point as an anomaly because um, those numbers were so crazy efficient. He's just not, I mean, he's a decent sized, right? I'm not overly impressed with his arm or his accuracy or anything like that. You know, um, it's not like he's in a system that just is going to make him great for fantasy upside in terms of CFF. So maybe there's like some intangibles, there's some mechanics that people love, but I mean, I'm not an NFL guy, but it doesn't seem like I would be anywhere near a first round pick on him at this point. Is that kind of like your vibe as well? Yeah, I like I said, everybody just really wants there to be a QB three in this class. You know, that's kind of why they they talked up Leary in the offseason. They talked up Tyler Van Dyke at times, too. Um, you know, Anthony Richardson was was a popular guy here, too. But it's possible that this class just doesn't have a legitimate third QB here. You know, I mean, we only saw one QB go in the first round last year and ended up being Kenny Pickett, a guy who actually kind of surprised some people. Um I don't think I'm with you. I don't think that there's much of uh, at least not early NFL hopes here. You know, he'll, he'll still get drafted. I'm sure you know, maybe he ends up being like a long-term backup. I think maybe his ceiling is a, you know, I don't even want to say Andy Dalton type because Andy Dalton had some nice years there, but it just, just somebody like that. That's kind of a journeyman. Like a Chase Daniels. Yeah. There a lot we of go. Money holding clipboards. <laughs> yeah. Man, that's the, that's the dream. That's that is that is the dream. I mean, just as little as little, uh, you know, pressure and stress <laughs> as it is, and you're making millions. And I'm sure he's helped in the in the behind the scenes, but we should all strive to be a backup quarterback in our lifetime. Yeah, if I uh, if I had a dream job, it's it's number one trophy husband, number two backup NFL quarterback. Which one is more likely for you? Um, so I, I know you've, you've never met me in person. Um, but I am like, I tell people I'm 5'10, I'm slightly under. Um, so, and I'm not nearly as athletic as like a Kyler Murray, if you can't tell either. Um, so I think trophy husband's probably a little bit closer. Yeah. It's funny. You know, there's no such, I'm six foot, but really there's no such thing as a guy that's six foot, right? It's only <laughs> you're six one or you're 5'11. So that's where I'm at. So I'm with you. I probably would lean the same way. I got, um, I don't have the, I'm not fleet of foot. I have, yeah. I've had shoulder surgery. So I think trophy husband's the way to go. For me. Yeah. And my, my fiance does make more money than I do. So, you know, I'm, I'm already part of the way there at least. Yeah. Halfway there. There you go. <laughs> Um, but the other, uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more NC state a little later here. Um, but getting into one of the other games uh, of the day, and this is one of the ones that I was the most intrigued by, uh, Michigan state versus Washington, uh, both these teams undefeated coming in here, but both of them had kind of beaten up on some cupcakes. Um, neither one of these teams really had a, like a true test up to this point. Uh, and Michigan, we'll start off with Michigan state here, their running game, which had been, you know, phenomenal last week, uh, really struggled here in this one. Jalen Berger, uh, 13 carries for 27 yards here. Um, Berger looked good last week here. Everybody kind of wants him to be the next Kenneth Walker. Maybe he's not that, but despite the struggles in this one, do you think Berger is still a guy that we can count on moving forward? I don't think so. Um, I think Broussard's decent enough in this offense might struggle if, uh, Reed is going to be consistently out. Jaden Reed, 
And I just don't think he's all that great, right? Like, I think he had the opportunity to be successful at Wisconsin. What good running back is not successful at Wisconsin, right? So, like, I'm not buying or, or loving much of that. I can't imagine I would use him a whole lot in the DFS season unless he gets another great matchup. But, like, Michigan State's going to probably play Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio State. Like, those are all very good defenses i don't the, you know right there off the bat we have three defenses that i don't want to play a guy like Berger. so a game that they scored 28 points he had 13 carries that's not really all that intriguing even if he was efficient with those carries yeah he doesn't really bring too much in the past game either and and don't think i didn't notice you didn't mention penn state in the defenses that you're afraid <laughs> of here so um you know i just i just tuck that one away i'll remember that <laughs> Um, moving into the receiving game here, though, uh, Keon Coleman actually had a really nice, uh, a nice day, uh, nine for 16 and two touchdowns this week, uh, a bit of a dud the week before that two for 32, but like I said, their running game kind of ran wild on them. Uh, week one, four catches, 84 yards and a touchdown here. He's actually their leading wide receiver on the year. Uh, I know Jane Reed banged up a little bit, but is Keon Coleman, somebody we can look to for fantasy moving forward. Yeah, I'm buying Keon Coleman, I think, um, which well, I'm surprising myself. But the more I think about it, it's intriguing, right? Like, he's, I think he actually plays on their basketball team. Uh, yeah, because if you click his name on the ESPN, it takes you to his basketball page. Super yeah. frustrating. I, <laughs> I was pretty sure about that. Yeah, I mean, I, he's got good size. Uh, he can obviously run a little bit. Nothing crazy, but he can move a little bit. And last year, Michigan State used two, uh, was had two productive receivers in Reed and Naylor. So I can certainly see Coleman being a, a legitimate threat. Um, and the longer Reed is out, if it continues, even better for Keon Coleman. His one kind of like dud game out of three so far was against Akron when they won by 50. So they're going to, Thorne's good enough in college to get the ball to those two guys. I think he's going to see a good bit of targets throughout the rest of the season. Um, so yeah, I like him. Are you on the same side there? Yeah. Yeah. I like Keon Coleman too. Uh, coming in last year as a freshman, I was definitely intrigued by him just as a guy who can play two sports at a fairly high power five level. I mean, I know you're a, uh, you're a Michigan guy, so it might hurt to admit it, but Michigan state, you know, pretty good at football, pretty good at basketball. Um, and just to be able to play on both of those, you know, so, you know, he's a good athlete, um, good size there too as well i think he was a little raw but you know i think there's definitely some hope there uh, in terms of nfl future in terms of cff future you know gene reed will be off to the league after this year so he'll be the guy after that so you know if you're talking cff dynasty too i think he's a nice play yeah i mean they're gonna throw it 30 plus times and he's probably gonna consistently see 25 percent of targets and that's like anything in that kind of low to mid twenties is what you're looking for at the very least. Um, and the run game isn't good enough. You know, if they're going to score four touchdowns, they're going to throw for two at least, right? Three, maybe, probably. Um, so I, I think there's some real potential there. Yeah, and they honestly might have to score four touchdowns, five touchdowns in games because their pass defense has not been good last year. Um, it did not look good here in this one. Um, Washington, uh, did bring in Kalen DeBoer past game, uh, guru, you know, he was doing Kalen DeBoer things in this one. Um, he, uh, he has some familiarity with Michigan state as well, coming over from Indiana to Fresno state, then Fresno state into Washington. 
Um, this offense is kind of doing what it, Washington is kind of doing what we were expecting it to do this year. But uh, Michael Penix Jr. has been very good so far through his first three games, um, over 330 yards in every single game so far, four touchdowns in two games, two touchdowns in the other game. Uh, is Michael Penix Jr. A, a CFF QB one here moving forward? I can't believe that. I'm, I can't believe we're sitting here today with, I thought for sure he would, <laughs> would be a dud. I mean, I call him, I call him an arm punter. Um, <laughs> You know, I the whole offseason, I'm like, it doesn't matter who wins the QB job. Like, it's cool. He's the guy's a quarterback guru, but like, who cares? Like, both these guys are bad. Um, but he's proven me wrong so far. And Michigan State's not like a walkover, right? Like, even if their pass defense is awful, they still have decent enough people, right? They have real bodies um, out there. So I don't think I'm ready to say QB one yet. I'd like them to see, but it's also the Pac 12. So, like, we're going to get into the Pac-12 season. There's not going to be that much of a difference, right? Like maybe you don't play him against Oregon and Utah or something, right? But like Arizona, Arizona State, USC would be a, a shootout. Like those are all interesting matchups. I don't think I'm there at the QB1 level, but he's certainly not a, an arm punter. But I'm going to keep calling him one. So. <laughs> well, he might be an arm punter, but I, I think, um, you know, just DeBoer is just an offensive guy and he just schemes things up very, very well. Um, you know, speaking of the way he's scheming things up, my guy, Jalen McMillan, uh, has been impressive so far throughout the year here at the beginning week one, um, five catches, 87 yards, two touchdowns on eight targets week two, big game four for one twenty seven and one in this game, he went seven for 94 with 10 targets. Um, you know, what, what do we see? I, I'm objectively speaking here. I'll ask somebody who is not as invested in Jalen McMillan as I am. Um, what do we see his CFF value as moving forward? Full disclosure, I haven't really seen a whole lot of Washington, but I don't really, I don't watch a lot of the games sometimes, right? Like all that matters is usage and how much they're going to yeah. score and things like that, right? So like in theory, it's nice to actually watch the games, but a lot of times you, you can't watch to. all of them. Right. I mean, if he's good, if, if Phoenix is going to go then, or Penix is going to go, then so is McMillan or so is Polk, right? So like, those two guys have great outlook, you know, as long as that train's still moving is still going strong, then there's no reason not to think that those two have a lot of, at least a little bit of value, probably a lot of value. I mean, if you're throwing for 300 every game, who else are they going to, you know, like Giles Jackson, the guy from Michigan doesn't impress me all that much. O'Dunsey, I think is a guy some people like, but you know, he hasn't, I mean, every, everybody else is having big games and he's not, it's kind of like the writings on the wall. He's just not a top two receiver for him. So I'm interested a little bit in this Cameron Davis running back situation here, just because of pure volume. Um, Cause I know the UVA transfer, not even going to try to pronounce that one. <laughs> uh, Wayne T is not all that impressive. So I'm curious if they ever go to a situation where they really just kind of hammer one running back, but they, they have suddenly become a really interesting fantasy team. Yeah, I mean, you said the running back game there. I was interested in the run and whoever was the lead back there because we saw at Fresno State, Ronnie Rivers, you know, put up some very nice numbers, especially in the passing game. So I think DeBoer wants to use a running back if he can get one. I just don't think there's necessarily anybody on that roster right now. Like you said, Wayne T has been the, the, the leading back in terms of like volume wise so far, not particularly impressive. Uh, they've been transferred from New Mexico, Aaron Dumas, who got a little bit of buzz in the spring, but he was pretty much the only healthy body 
Cam Davis back healthy. Um, that's definitely a guy to watch. Uh, but you brought up Jalen Polk here. That's a guy that I'm I'm best definitely interested in as well. He had a massive game in this one. Six uh, catches for about 130 yards, 134 yards, I think, um, and a touchdown. So huge performance from him. Um, you know, can this offense support a second wide receiver like Polk there? Is, is he somebody that you're interested in? Definitely. I think if, anytime you're throwing it for 300 plus, you're going to have a, you have a second potential option. Um, I don't really consider, I don't know if you've read off McMillan's targets, but it doesn't feel like, doesn't feel like a 35% type situation no. where one guy, like a Josh Downs, kind of like a Nathaniel Dell from last year, maybe. Like, it doesn't feel like that situation's going on. Um, so I think Polk definitely can can have a lot of value here. And he's the rare third-year freshman, which is just <laughs> the greatest thing. I love COVID <laughs> for just that reason itself. So uh, I definitely think two receivers can flourish, especially if the running game is going to be weak, right? Like, if the running game is going to be weak, which it seems like it's probably going to be, there's no reason for two guys not to pop. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, people thought it was going to be a Dunze. Maybe it's Polk. Uh, but like you said, McMillan, not really a target monster. Eight targets week one, five in week two, uh, 10 in week three. So leading the team, but not by a huge margin. Um, but we'll move into the the last game here on the slate um, that we'll talk about here. We'll highlight in depth in the Miami versus Texas A&M. Uh, the other big game there. Miami, um, you know, I think they... It was a nice win. It, it would have been nice for them to win. Texas A&M needed to win this one. Uh, so not surprising. Texas came out hot. Texas A&M came out hot. Ended up winning this one here. Uh, but in terms of Miami, Tyler Van Dyke has kind of been disappointing this season in terms of you know, what people may have been expecting coming into the year. Uh, week one, 13 for 16, 193 yards, two touchdowns. It's only 19 fantasy points. Week two, uh, 261 yards, a touchdown and a pick. Only 15 fantasy points. And in this one, 217 yards, no touchdowns, only 12 fantasy points. Uh, he's been very disappointing here. Is this a guy, you know, what's his outlook here for you for the rest of the year? Is this a guy you're you're waiting on, like kind of like Leary, or are you about ready to move on? I'm ready to move on. I he doesn't have any weapons. He's looked awful. Like he there's just not there's nothing going on there that's interesting to me. Um, I think if they could, they would just run it as much as possible um, with Parrish and Knighton. They've got a good bunch of running backs there. So I'm ready to move on. He doesn't provide anything rushing. Like, uh, you know, Leary's kind of the same way, but and they both probably had like near identical numbers last year. I just, I just, there's nothing that intrigues me. If you want to wait one more week just to see if there's a bounce back after a tough like road game, that's totally fine. But, I mean, he's just as much of a goner for me. Yeah, I think he and Leary are eerily similar in that neither one of these guys has really been putting up much statistically. They were both talked about as a potential QB3 in this class, and I think so far throughout the season, they've both been disappointing up to that point. Uh, so it'll be interesting to keep an eye on him moving forward. I'm kind of with you there in terms of CFF value. I'm pretty much ready to move off of him. Draft value-wise, again, similar to Leary. Not ready to move off yet. I still think he can get picked, you know, day two. Um, but I don't know if that day one talk is going to is gonna materialize like some people thought it might. You know, the thing with – I think the difference between him and Leary would be Leary did – they had basically, let's say, identical seasons or close to it, right, last year. 
Leary did it with a bunch of random guys. And Van Dyke did it with some really pretty decent college receivers with um, Rambo being like the main guy. So I think that's where I'm a little like, okay, well now he has even less weapons and he has never proven it with, you know, in limited time, obviously, but he's never proven to be productive unless he has some guys around him. And none of these receivers are interesting at all to me for Miami. Even if they had a good quarterback, there's just, everything is super spread out. Every, you know, they're not that great passing. So that's just an offense. I don't really want any of at this point. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and, and Xavier Restrepo uh, was the leading wide receiver. He is now out. Um, tight end Will Mallory actually stepped up in this one. Six catches on six targets for 56 yards. I hit a really gritty play where he got pulled down on the sideline and landed on his head. Uh, he was down for a minute, ended up coming right back in like a play or two later. And, you know, that's something you like to see. You know, he, he was able to play through that. Um Without another top option there in this passing game, is Will Mallory going to be a fantasy option moving forward at the tight end position? I think he's got the most value of anybody in terms of pass catchers. Tight end is kind of this weird situation where it feels a little thinner than we all thought it would be in terms of CF, uh, CFF side of things. So I think uh, Mallory has potential. I would give it another week or two. Uh, actually, I think I just cut him in a league before this game, um, <laughs> which is great, of course. Uh, same with Cameron Davis, too, now that I think about it. But does he get some good volume? Maybe. Um, just the position's pretty thin, and he's gotten some hype in the last couple of years in the CFF side of things that it would be like, okay, well, now we're connecting the dots, right? We, he had some hype, and now he's – catching on and he had a great game on the road at AM. Let's see what happens. Tight end is just, if you didn't invest in a, in some specific guys early on, you probably are just trying to find that next hot guy. Um, yep. And Mallory fits that perfect mold for, Hey, if I'm searching for somebody on the waiver wire, this is a guy I got to look at and investigate. Yeah. And you know, if you're in a C2C league too, you know, Will Mallory coming from Miami, they consistently put tight ends in the NFL, at least. Uh, Mallory's an athletic guy, so he's got a shot at getting drafted too, at least. Um, but on the Texas A&M side of things here, uh, this offense kind of been struggling a little bit throughout the early part of the year, even in some softer matchups. But Devin Achain had a nice rebound game here in this one. Uh, 18 carries for 88 yards, four catches for 48 yards, and a touchdown on five targets, uh, which was second on the team here. Uh, after a nice game like this, how confident are you in – Devin Achain starting uh, for your fantasy team each week? I'm not confident, unfortunately. I think he's good, but if they're going to run 50 plays a game and get that type of quarterback play, he's got to get all the touchdowns. You know, like he's got to break a big play. And I bet on the over for his rushing yards, it was like 68. And I was like, this is a no brainer. He basically had that the week before and they ran 38 total plays. There's no way they run 38 total plays. <laughs> And I was correct, but they ran 52, (laughs) you know, like if you're running 52 plays, there's just so like, you just, that's not survivable. Right. I don't want anybody in an offense that's 52 plays per game. Like to put into context, how little plays that is, that's like, um, like Stanford runs like 65 plays. Like that's like where I have my projection set is like Stanford at 65 and they run like triple I formation, <laughs> you know, Maryland I formation, like every single play that, so there's a, that's not an offense you necessarily want to be involved with, but 
Sounds like you like him a good bit, at least in the C2C side of things. Yeah, on the C2C side of things, I do like him here. I mean, he's obviously just uber athletic. Uh, you know, he's a track guy. He's the type of guy that, you know, does really well in the SEC and track borderline Olympic level speed. That's going to get you drafted, you know, um, regardless of the production that he puts up. And slow start to the year this year uh, got write it a little bit here in this one but the year before just uber efficient um when he was splitting carries with with spiller and i'm you know i'll be interested to see the amount of weight that he can put on he's about 185 pounds now my hope is that he's keeping his weight down for track and maybe he can put on about 15 pounds and get up to 100 pounds or put on 10 pounds and or you know get up to like 195 200 mark if, if he can do that i think he's got an nfl future if he can't then, you know, we might be looking at like a Dree Archer type of a guy. Right. Kind of like a specialty role type role type guy. The problem here with AM2 on top of this is like their O line is just so bad. Yeah. It's like awful. They're just getting bullied. Um, and so it doesn't matter how fast or agile you are when you're when you're getting hit three yards behind. So this almost feels like a situation where his value is it actually looks really pretty good in the C2C, like the NFL side of things. If, like you said, if you can gain the weight, but it's just disappointing that the supporting cast is just such a struggle right now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then, you know, like you said, the offensive line, not looking great. Uh, and the quarterback play was not great either. You know, Max Johnson, uh, 10 for 20 for 140 yards and a touchdown. Uh, it just did not look good in this one. Haynes King looked even worse before that. You know, can Max Johnson sustain any relevant fantasy options here in, in the passing game? No, there's just no way. It, they, whatever they're doing, they're slowing everything down and just running the most limited amount of plays possible. And he's just not good enough to – like, Aeneas Smith is interesting, but – there was 20 passes. Like it doesn't, you would have to, I'm, you know, I want realistically like eight to 10 targets for any receiver I'm rostering and nobody is getting 45% of 40 to 45% <laughs> of targets. Right. So like you just have to be way too efficient at that, at that amount of usage. So I don't, we have to see better quarterback play. It doesn't matter who it is. I don't care who it is, you know, but it, unless we get better play, there's just nobody in that receiving core that's um interesting or going to be relevant yeah i think just in terms of offense this is probably just one to avoid for until further notice you know even even Achain, you know he might make you regret sitting him a week or two if he pops off for you know a huge 80 yard touchdown run but it's just not sustainable like you're saying um we got some other um interesting storylines coming from this weekend here indiana uh their passing game has really been cooking two of the first three games so far 330 yards passing in week one uh only 197 in week two but they just absolutely dominated idaho in week two there their rushing attack led the charge uh, and then this week against western kentucky they threw for 364 yards uh, they're going to be entering big 10 play here is this a team that can keep it up throughout big 10 play this will be – I think their passing attack will be good enough in the right matchups. Um, I mean, like, looking at their schedule, they've done really well with their poor uh, opponents, right, which is awesome. Like, there's something to be said for that for sure. But then they go, like, at Cincinnati. They play Michigan. They play Penn State, who's a decent defense. Okay. And then at Thank Ohio you. State. You know, so, like, 
there's like four weeks where they're going to be pretty tough. But like, if you look at those other weeks, like Nebraska, Maryland, Rutgers, Purdue, Michigan state, like five very playable weeks, uh, the DFS side of things, I think there's definitely some value there and they just, they chuck it to the same guys every time. Right. DJ Matthews, Cam Camper, I think is the other one as well. Getting like crazy high target numbers. So I love that, you know, like, They'll be decent enough. They're going to be in a good game script. Their defense is whatever. So uh, I think they do have some value for about 50 to 60% of the rest of the season. Yeah. And I mean, that's, you know, part of the thing with CFF is just picking, knowing which matchups to start a guy in and which matchups to sit a guy in. I think that's half the battle. And like you said, you laid out a couple of games there where they could have some nice, uh, some nice games passing some nice matchups and, Connor Basilak's been pretty surprising so far throughout the year here. I mean, he wasn't really anything special at Missouri. And, you know, now Missouri might wish they had him back because that UB room has kind of been a disaster. Yeah. They had the uh, the typical, like, quarterback battle amongst four guys, which is just an awful. The other team that had that was Hawaii. So <laughs> enough, enough said, you know, when you have, like, the or with four dudes, it's like, eh, this isn't going to be good. <laughs> if you have two QBs, you have none. If you have four... You definitely have none. Yeah, start praying. <laughs> um, another interesting line here, Notre Dame. Um, they ended up pulling this one out, but not a pretty game. Uh, really struggling through the first three games here. Uh, do you think, in just in terms of college football, do you think they can turn this around here under Marcus Freeman, at least this year? Um, I think, I think so, yes. I think he's a really good coach. Buckner's just not a great quarterback by any means. He's also very young, so you get him, give him the benefit of the doubt here. Um, I think Pine actually gives him a pretty decent shot at winning more consistently just because they'll know what they want to do and they can keep defenses honest. Like, he was pretty good against Cal. Nothing crazy, but very winnable. And Notre Dame's defense typically is very good. Um, they just got to get the run game going. You know, they have a couple interesting guys there that just have been underwhelming. Uh, but I do think – in just generally speaking, they'll turn it around, um, which pains me to say it in a sense. But what about you? Do you think they tough year for Freeman? You, you bad, bad hot seat takes coming or what? <laughs> no, no bad hot seat takes here. I do like Freeman. Um, you know, which I'm I, I don't like Notre Dame at all. My three least favorite teams in the country: Ohio State, Michigan, and Notre Dame. I'm a Penn it's, State fan. That makes sense. <laughs> where does Pitt rank on that? Is Pitt up there i mean west virginia's <laughs> got to be up there too right Pitt's like Pitt's kind of like a little brother where like mm. pit sees that penn state is a rival but penn state doesn't really see Pitt as a rival at least not like anymore like maybe in the 80s um west virginia kind of the same way i don't penn, penn state and west virginia never really had a huge rivalry um you know they would play each other sometimes especially when penn state was an independent for so long um but Definitely uh, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Michigan, the big ones. Michigan State as well, too. I mean, they have the trophy every year for that, the little brown jug. Um, so Michigan State will probably be ahead of Pitt and uh, West Virginia. Okay, Pitt would yeah. be close. Yeah. yeah um, I love the shot at Austin when he's not even here, by the way, right? He's a, <laughs> he's a, do, they have, do they have Spotify in the Cayman Islands? I don't know. Uh, yeah, see, I don't know. I don't know what his uh, I don't know what his Wi-Fi situation is going to be like down there. And I don't know what business he's taking care of either. He's pretty dodgy about it. So we'll <laughs> see. 
well, and and he, I mean, he he doesn't listen to the shows when he's not on them anyway. Um, yeah, but uh, on Notre Dame side, really, Michael Mayer was drafted early. Um, you know, TE one or TE two, depending on how people viewed Bowers. Um, but you know, so far with the way this passing attack has looked, not been great. Uh, he had five for thirty two in week one. Eight for 103 in week two. So very nice performance there against Marshall. Uh, but two, just two catches in this one for 10 yards. The touchdown kind of saved the day. Uh, is he the tight end one week in, week out that he thought we thought he was going to be? Or is there a matchup or two where you might second guess starting him? I I like Mayer just pure volume. The guy was is going to get like 35. Like he's the rare 35, 40% of targets um type situation so i think that there's a lot of value in that high floor there in terms of cf uh, cff like i would never bench him just because of the the volume there and tight end mm-hmm. such a fickle position i you know this past weekend it, his price creeped up on DraftKings for dfs so it made me very weary um uh, but it's notre dame right they're independent they're going to play a bunch of random schools that are going to be good matchups um and pine is very serviceable He's not going to be up there with the Bowers of the world anymore. Like, and I think Trigg, in a sense, will will gain some consistency with better quarterback play. But it, I just pure volume wise, it's hard to have him outside of the top five. It's fair. Um, Anthony Richardson this week regression just kind of continuing here. Week one uh, put up a gutsy performance, 168 yards passing, no touchdowns, no picks, but added 116 yards and three touchdowns on the ground, 39 fantasy points. The next two weeks really struggled two picks in both of those games, sub 150 pass yards, um, sub 25 rushing yards too. And he had 5.5 fantasy points and four fantasy points here. Uh, is this the potential league breaking player that people thought we were going to see in week one, or is he more of the, uh, the guy we saw in the past two weeks here? I think it's the past two weeks. Uh, this weekend, I two my, my two favorite tweets were both about Anthony Richardson. One of them was, um, that he has more tackles than touchdown passes. Three to zero, which is not never great. It's not even close, really. Yeah, yeah. He's gonna. It's gonna take him a month to get past that. (laughs) Um, And the other one was, someone said that Anthony Richardson throws a football like someone trying to throw a paper airplane, (laughs) like just incredible. (laughs) I I think Napier is a little bit to blame here. Um, You know, when he was at ULF, yeah, right he just had this way of like killing fancy production from quarterbacks. Levi Lewis wasn't that bad for him. I mean, he had some bright spots, but like what Richardson showed in the past to now is just, it feels awful, right? It's just so bad. Like watching it just hurts. Um, I would suspect that it's not going to get any easier. The matchups will be really interesting. Like against Tennessee will be fun because that should be in theory, like a really high scoring game. Like if he doesn't produce in that matchup, then just, you know, I would be wouldn't I wouldn't think it's crazy to throw him to the curb and drop him, right? Like, I but there is I think there's upside in some of like his, you know, his arm strength and his his speed and his agility, right? Like all that athleticism, there is some value in it. It's just from the CFF side of things, I'm I'm pretty out. You know, he's got one more chance in a high upside matchup, and then he's going to be like 5K on DraftKings, and I'm going to be like. 
just praying <laughs> that he doesn't do me dirty like he did on Saturday night. So, I mean, are you, I feel like the C2C group is very polarizing when it comes to, it's like the most polarizing player in C2C. Is that correct? Yeah, he's definitely up there. Um, and just for the record, I'm totally going to clip you uh, bashing him and then just put that online just completely out of context. Uh, that way you <laughs> just get ripped apart. So that's just, what everybody does, right? Like yeah. that's like the Richardson thing you, or uh, just maybe in general, the CFF thing, you, you say something, you take it out of context, you throw it on Twitter. Yeah. Chaos and see Absolutely. Yeah. Just all, all the clicks. Um, but yeah, he's, he's definitely a polarizing player over there. There's multiple people at our site who have not been the biggest fan of him. There's um, one or two who have been standing for him pretty hard, but I was one of the ones who was more in the wait and see kind of a camp because he's got all the tools. And just in terms of CFF, I mean, he's one of, you know, five quarterbacks in the country, maybe that could run for 100 yards in any given week. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's always going to have some sort of a value. It's just like, you know, when are you going to play him? And if he can't provide, if you can't figure out when you want to play him, and if he can't get this figured out as a passer, uh, you know, I don't see much of an NFL future there either. Um, he's got to take some pretty significant steps forward. So I'm more on the uh, I'm I don't have him on any of my rosters. We'll put it that way. Yeah. Um, the thing is, right, like if you can't do it against South Florida, who are you going to do it against? So I would be interested to hear or see like if the draft was today, like what an NFL team would do, because you see the the high and you see the low and you just tend to see the low way more often than you'd like. He's certainly not a first round quarterback. That's no. for sure. No, he's got tools, but so did Malik Willis, you know, and I think Malik Willis is a better passer than he is. I mean, Malik Willis only threw to half of the field, but I still think he showed more as a passer so far. Now it's, it's early in Anthony Richardson's career. I think at this point he almost has to come back for another year. So we'll see. But uh, it's it's not looking overly promising um, these past two weeks. Yeah. One uh, thing we do at uh, Burning the Red Shirt is we uh, we proclaim a player transferring way before they actually transfer. I would be just off the cuff. I would be surprised if Richardson comes back and stays at Florida. So heard it here okay. first. If he comes back, which it's almost a certainty, I do not think it'll be at Florida. I think he'll play poorly. And then there's going to be some sort of battle with like Jack Miller and uh, maybe a Jack Del Rio has another kid and he's, he's a, <laughs> an option there. But I think I'd be surprised if he's there. So I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's gone. Goes found else. the found my soundbite clipping it. Perfect. <laughs> uh, that actually wouldn't surprise me either. Um, it'll be interesting to keep an eye on that one. Uh, but another, you know, team and, and player that really has not been performing quite like we thought they would is clay millen quarterback at colorado state and just kind of the whole colorado state passing attack which they basically picked up nevada's passing attack and moved it one state over and put it in colorado uh and we thought that this would just kind of seamlessly work and it, it has not so far now week one against michigan nobody really expected that to be a good performance um you know, Clay Millen, seven fantasy points in that one, 137 yards, touchdown and a pick. Uh, the following week is a softer matchup, 256 yards passing, three touchdowns, two picks, 18 fantasy points, a little bit better. Uh, and then in this one, just, um, you know, against Washington State, uh, 212 yards, one touchdown, one pick, 13 fantasy points. 
He's also lost. He's also fumbled the ball six times on the year, which I thought was really interesting going into this. So he has six fumbles on the year. You know, it's averaging three a game, uh, more than one interception a game, uh, just turning the ball over like crazy. What is wrong with Colorado State and Clay Millen? I what's the I never really understood the infatuation with Clay Millen in the offseason. Like, I think the offense and the scheme makes a lot of sense. Was he like a high recruit, like a highly recruited guy? Like, I what's yeah. the what was the reasoning for people being on him? And that's just like me not knowing. So I'm I'm curious. Yeah, he was um, low four star, high three star guy, uh, depending on the service. So you know when you're talking about a G five QB, talking about somebody at Nevada, um, you know that's that's a good that's a good recruit. So pretty high yeah. recruit there for a G five, and then again, you know, stepping into the system was kind of the appeal. Probably just a little early on then, right? Like you mentioned it, Michigan's that's just tough, man. First career yeah. starts at Michigan. Um, but he clearly is needs experience. You know, when you're getting sacked and, and you're fumbling that much, like that's a that's a that's like a just a quarterback nuance thing, right? Like knowing the pocket, when to get rid of it, when not to, and just little things, right? And he's only a second year guy, so you know, this might be a, a guy you just kind of stash and just try to see what happens in the future. Cause that is the, a, a great system with a lot of receivers that will help, you know, that quarterback produce, but it's certainly not looking great. Middle Tennessee state, Washington state are not defensive studs. And when you're <laughs> like, when you're automatically, you have to throw an extra touchdown just to make up for your fumbles and negative rushing yards that's not a good situation. Um, that's not good for fantasy. So I don't know. I haven't seen a whole lot of them, even against Michigan. I didn't get to see it a whole lot. I was driving at the time. So I heard it. <clears throat> Have you seen glimpses of good quarterback play or is it just all struggles? It's been, it's been struggles. I haven't like sat down and watched these in depth. Um, I kind of, I didn't get to watch a lot of games this weekend. Cause like we were talking about before the air, I had a, a very inconsiderate friend who had a wedding uh, on a Saturday in, in fall. Um, mm-hmm. So I didn't get to watch a lot of the games this weekend, but week one, I saw a little bit of that against Michigan and it's tough to really take anything away from that because Michigan's defense is good. Michigan is just a far superior team to Colorado state. So it'll be interesting when we get into some mountain West play, how that shapes up. Mm-hmm. Everything gets a little bit weirder in the mountain West, yeah. you know, like the 10 30 games, just all of a sudden guys are throwing for 400 yards and, you know, he'll have more seasoning by that time, too. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, last storyline here from this week um, is Tulsa's passing attack for real. Davis Brin's leading the country in passing yards right now uh, with 1,200 t- yards, 11 touchdowns, and a pick. Keelan Stokes is third in the country in receiving, um, two, 28 catches, 457 yards, three touchdowns. Are they, are they for real? Can we count on this? I think you can. It's crazy but they have experience at receiver um Bryn's been there feels like forever uh although he hasn't really been all that productive and they play the AC I mean that's a fun offensive first um conference so I wouldn't be surprised at all if he keeps this up he might struggle against Ole Miss and Cincinnati but like past that I wouldn't be shocked at all if he consistently throws for 300 there we go you heard it here first Tulsa uh and Bryn going to be leading the passing leading leading the country in passing um all right but that'll that'll do for the wrap up here um we'll get into some waiver wire plays uh and you know fan tracks doesn't have the waiver roster ship owner um 
the roster ship percentage is on there. So we'll, <laughs> you know, go with some guys that we think should be available. Um, first category, add, add these guys everywhere. Um, I'll start with just with Davis Brin, quarterback for Tulsa that we just talked about. He's QB five on the year in fantasy points per game, but up 37, 38, and 44 points through the first three weeks here. Now, obviously scoring varies from league to league, but uh, just absolutely incredible. I think he's an ad everywhere if he is still available. Yeah, I would agree. I, um, just he's producing. I mean, in, in the schedule is great, especially when playoffs come in those final weeks where you're trying to clinch. There's no reason not to to have him. You, you, there's just there's not a lot of great quarterbacks, so it's not even like you're it's not even like a running back or receiver where you're there's so many options. You know, there's 131 starting quarterbacks and like 15 you can just immediately wipe off. There's no way you would <laughs> at touch least it. you know. So like, <laughs> right? So like, you know, if you're in like a 12 to 20 team league, there's not going to be a ton of options. If he's there, you take him immediately. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then you, uh, you added two other names here to the sheet. I'll let you talk about these two guys. Yeah. Demi, Demi Sumo is a Moxley guy, right? Um, yeah. If Jordan Sumi Houston is, yeah, Sumi <laughs> if he's available, I, I'd be surprised if he's available, but he was available in one of the leagues I was looking stuff up beforehand. So if he's available it, and Jordan Houston, misses even more time, you know, misses, um, some games here that's going to be a RB one type situation where he's the only guy. I don't think they have a ton of depth. They didn't really have a ton of depth going into the season anyways. So I'd be curious to see how many touches he gets and I'd be willing to bet it's going to be good because he's productive with what he's getting now, which is like 15 carries and yeah. two, three uh, catches Ashton Hawkins for Texas state. We picked him up in our BTR dynasty league and I was weary of playing him against Baylor He's a receiver from Texas State, um, and he had a great game against Baylor. You know, he's got ele- games of eleven and thirteen catches, four touchdowns on the season. Even better, he's got thirty-nine targets. They're gonna some belt play is coming. There's no reason not to to have a guy like that. He should be way more available than the other two, I would think. Yeah, I would think so too. I mean, he's a guy that uh, he had a nice game. Uh, two weeks ago, uh, you know, we didn't bring him up as a watch list guy because, you know, it's Texas State. But at this point, yeah, back to back weeks, um, high volume guy and they're not a very good defense. So you're going to have to throw the ball a lot. So I like that call. Uh, moving into some deeper leagues or some leagues where you have like unlimited number of pickups. So, um, you know, I'm not sure, Chris, how familiar you are with like C2C leagues. A lot of them structure it where you have limited number of pickups. Mm-hmm. That way it saves some talent for the NFL side. Um, these guys, if they're, if they're available and you're, you have unlimited pickups or it's a deep league, these are guys that I'd be adding. Uh, first one, Roman Hemby running back from Maryland. He's led the team and carries every game so far. Uh, he had a really nice week one. He was on our watch list. Uh, week two, not as great, but this week, 16 carries, 151 yards and a touchdown. Uh, if he keeps getting this kind of volume, uh, you know, I think it's a guy that I would be looking to pick up because they don't have a lot else on that roster. Yeah. Running back's kind of thin for them. Um, and he's, he's played really well. He had that big game. I remember a, a really pretty good game in week one, like you said, and then, you know, big 10 plays come in. The offense is going to, is a pretty solid offense behind, Tag, Tag of Viola. I didn't yeah. want to, didn't know if I wanted to try <laughs> that one, but here we are. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, anytime you can get a running back one on an offense that likes to move it, that's a good um, pickup. Yeah. 
Uh, and then again, you know, two guys you added to the sheet here. I'll let you uh, roll with these two guys. I'll be interested yeah, to hear gonna... your pronunciation on the third one. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna get weird. I regret adding uh, this one gentleman, but Griffin. I'm gonna. He's from Louisiana, so I'm gonna say a bear. Uh, the receiver, okay. tight end for Louisiana Tech. So the key here is if he's a tight end eligible in your, if he's tight end eligible in your league, I think he's a great pickup. Almost 300 yards in three games, uh, 122 yards against Clemson. Again, tight end is kind of a thin position. If you can get, he's basically a receiver. If you've ever seen Louisiana Tech play, he's basically just a stand up. Like he's like Jake Beck from Louisiana State last year. Like how did he even get designated as a tight end? <laughs> like it's like without even question, I don't, unless he gained like 30 pounds in the off season, I don't know it, but I, I think that's a really good tight end pickup if he's eligible. Then again, I immediately regret doing this. <laughs> he's got every vowel in his name. ODU Hilaire, the Bowling Green receiver, uh, three touchdowns in the past two games. He's got 12 and 10 targets. The Bowling Green behind 12th year quarterback Matt McDonald <laughs> is incredible. Which, which, by the way, have you seen McDonald throw a football before? I have not. I've not watched a lot of Bowling Green, admittedly. Oh, boy. Ask Mox. It's gross. It's like the worst mechanics in college football. <laughs> just after the show, just YouTube it real quick. It's real bad. <laughs> Worse uh, than uh, throwing a paper plane? Worse than <laughs> he makes Richardson look like Tom Brady. <laughs> um, volume is there and we're about to get Maction, right? We're about to get Mac play. If they keep throwing it and he's getting 10 targets, that's a huge play, right? Um, that's a huge pickup. So I would consider him for sure. And they've shown in the past Bowling Green to have pretty good receiver one usage. So I don't think it's just a blip or an anomaly. I think he can consistently get that high volume. I like it. A uh, couple guys we can throw on the watch list here. And you know what? As I'm looking at this, too, I might even move uh, this guy up to the deep league um, ads here because Aiden Robbins running back for UNLV uh, through three games has been very good. 23 fantasy points, 18 fantasy points, and then a monster game this past week at 41. Uh, they haven't really played anybody, but I also don't really think they play anybody all year. They're about to get into some Mountain West play. Um, I, I think that he could actually be a deeper league ad. So as I'm sitting here looking at it, yeah, I would recommend adding him in some leagues and, you know, in a short league, um, limited pickups that there you watch listed. Yeah. Have you seen how big he is, by the way? I have not. He, I, I don't watch huge. a lot of UNLV. Either. He's, he's huge. He's six, three two thirty, And it looks like he could be six, six two seventy. <laughs> like if you see him, if you ever get a chance to see him play, it's actually incredible. Um, it feels like one of those like really good in college, but zero potential because he's just so huge and he's not that fast or agile, but he's going to run over people in that conference. Yeah. And he'll get the usage he has so far. Mm -hmm. Um, another guy on the, uh, on the watch list here and, uh, Jalen Polk wide receiver for Washington. And that's a guy we talked about a little bit earlier in the show. Um, you know, another guy that at, at this point, if it's a deep league lim or unlimited pickups, you know, I might add him as well. Uh, he's second on the team with 19 targets, a big week last week, six, catch six catches, 153 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, I think I had that stat line wrong when I talked about it earlier, but, uh, you know, just second on the team in targets so far. Odunze missed week two. So, you know, we'll see them battle out for that wide receiver two role. But like we talked about, I think they can support two wide receivers on this team. So. You know, he could be a nice ad. 
yeah, worth a flyer at the very least, right? Like um, if you have an open spot, guy gets hurt, you can do some, move some things around. There's no reason not to try to get a piece of the Washington action. Yeah. Uh, and then another guy here I had on the list um, and, you know, you had your guy that you had to pronounce. I have, this is, this is my guy. I'm an Arunde Gadsden wide receiver for Syracuse. Um, uh, you know, all off season, I had been kind of trying to figure out who the lead wide receiver for Syracuse was going to be because uh, with Robert and I coming in, we knew that passing attack was going to be better. And it has been so far. I mean, Garrett Schrader, pretty limited as a passer, but he's done an admirable job passing. And then this week, Arunde Gadsden, six catches, 112 yards, two touchdowns on eight targets. He's second on the team in targets behind Sean Tucker. So when your uh, running back is leading in targets, it's not necessarily ideal. But Gadsden, second on the team there. If he can keep this up, He'd be a guy that I would add at that point, but he's a true watch lister for me. Yeah, I would agree. They want to throw it in. Um, Schrader's been much better. I'll give him a ton of credit. He's been much better uh, than I thought he would be. And so if, if that stays true, at receiver one for, in that offense, and theoretically could be really good. Yeah, yeah, that's why I was kind of looking for somebody this offseason. Courtney Jackson was the guy that I had been hearing the most about, so that's who I have, so – but he's cuttable at this point. He hasn't done anything. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, last guy that I put on the list here, um, freshman running back Richard Reese for Baylor. Uh, 19 carries, 156 yards, three touchdowns, one catch for 17 yards this week. Huge performance. The caveat there, they were missing Tay McWilliams and Quaylen Jones. So it was him and it was uh, Craig Squirrel. Uh, Williams as the only two healthy bodies really left in the backfield there. Nice performance, definitely a watch list guy and kind of see how the health of this backfield shakes up, but um, I wouldn't add him just yet. Yeah. He doesn't fit the normal mold and there's a ton of dudes in that backfield in a dynasty league. I would be grabbing him just for the surefire shot at why not? I think he's a true freshman, right? So like yeah. three years in the Baylor system, maybe four, that's a that's a position you want. So um, from that aspect, I would definitely consider him. All right. And then uh, you added another guy on the list here. I'll let you talk about him. Yeah. Johnny Wilson, uh, receiver for FSU, transfer from Arizona State, coming off a huge game against Louisville. He's played a ton of snaps too, right? So I think what really interested me from a DFS standpoint was he didn't really produce in the first game, didn't really produce in the second game, but his snaps were really pretty high. Um, so I think he's worth taking a look at if, uh, if Jordan Travis is healthy, if he comes back healthy, let's say, cause he did get hurt last week. Um, that's a receiver one would be something interesting and he's a huge target for Travis and others. Yeah. And, and Tate Rodemaker too looked, he looked okay. You know, yeah. started out the game a little shaky, had that pick, but he really, he settled in there and, and he looked okay. So, you know, if, Week one was Ontario Wilson, but the past two weeks have been Johnny uh, Wilson. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see. We'll see if Wilson keep it up moving forward. But I like that call. Uh, we'll move into the next one. Here we got a couple of uh, a couple of offenses and, and skill positions here that you know after three weeks after a decent sample size here they haven't been performing quite like we've been expecting. Some of them better, some of them worse. Uh, so which what's a uh, team offense or, or position group that you're buying now that, you know, maybe you weren't necessarily buying before the season started? So I'm going to be honest with you. I 
put Alabama receivers and I meant as a sell. Okay. Uh, I am so not two buying cells. it. I have two cells. I have two <laughs> okay. cells. Yeah. That's, that's why I'm not getting the invite back. Um, but yeah, I have two cells because I'm definitely not buying Alabama receivers. So I'll have to defer okay. to you and your buy. All right. So I'll, I'll start with my buy first here. Um, my buy is South Alabama um, just as an offense, actually, a- as a whole. I mean, it's it's been pretty concentrated so far through this point. It's Carter Bradley. It's Jalen Wayne. It's LaDamian Webb. Carter Bradley, tough game last week against UCLA. Uh, but he, before that, 37 and 38 fantasy points. He's QB 35 on the year. And they're about to get into some really soft schedule conference play there. Um, this is just not a good conference. Uh, and he's going to have some nice matchups moving forward for the rest of the year here. I don't think there's any other non-cons on the schedule or anybody that I'm worried about. So I think he can keep it up moving forward. Um, you know, I think we're going to see more of week one and week two than, than week three here previously. Um, Jalen Wayne, the leading receiver for the team, 30 targets, 12 more than the next closest wide receiver. He's got a 28% target share there, which that's really nice. Uh, he's got 24, 28, 26 fantasy points. He's wide receiver 24 on the year. And then LaDamian Webb, um, 10 receptions on 12 targets, uh, 18, 21, and 16 carries through the first three weeks. Uh, and super, super consistent as a fantasy producer. 25, 26, 26 fantasy points for RB9. So these three guys uh, are guys all that I'm buying. Uh, I wasn't necessarily on the South Alabama offense here, but they've looked good so far. And again, just that concentration is really appealing. Yeah, there's Jalen Wayne is a guy I really, really like. And that usage is not atypical. That's the type of usage we've seen from South Alabama receiver ones last couple of years. So that's always nice to see. So I think that'll stay true and be consistent. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm buying them in as many different places as I, as I can. Um, but uh, so we got sells here. Um, you already talked a little bit of Alabama wide receivers you're selling. Why are you selling this Alabama receiver core? Yeah, you know, I thought for sure Jermaine Burton would just excel, right? Like they just plug and play a new guy that's, you know, good name, good recruit. Boom, they just go and just go crazy. That's not the case, and they have a real quarterback. Bryce Young obviously is great. Um, something's up with that offense. They just don't feel like they're clicking, uh, but we'll see what happens. They're, they're going to continue to get better for sure, but one thing that I think we did not expect is, the I think, the impact of Jameer Gibbs in the passing game. He's getting a good chunk of the yardage, and that's not leaving a lot for the rest, right? Um, so I think that in itself is cutting off some, some value for those receivers. I just think at this point, you know, I would rather look elsewhere for my top receiver options in DFS and CFF and that type of thing for sure. Yeah. You won't, uh, you won't find somebody hurt more by Jermaine Burton's performance than me. I was touting him pretty heavily here. He was my wide receiver three in C2C leagues. I thought he was going to step in and put up that traditional Bama, you know, 12, 1300 yards and, you know, 12, 13 touchdowns to, uh, and then parlay that into, you know, round one draft capital. And that just really has not been the case. So that has definitely hurt me. Um, now this offense will get Jojo Earl back at some point, And that's a name that I was intrigued by. Do you have any strong opinions either way on Jojo Earl and how that return will impact this offense? Well, I hope he doesn't do anything because we have a little side wager bet between Chase and the Natty and Burning the oh, Red Shirt. Oh, that's between, right. 
Ja'Cory Brooks and JoJo Earl. You That's know, right. Brooks Brooks has been healthy and he has like two catches for 60 yards. So I'm really happy <laughs> about that little leg up that we got. Um, he's a slot guy, right? There's just a lot of guys. That room is getting really crowded, um, especially since they started the freshman. Was it Prentice? Yeah. Um, you know, I think the writing was kind of on the wall in terms of like maybe this group isn't as good as we thought when Treshawn Holden won. Um, won a starting gig because I just was not all that impressed and he's been there a while right so when he wins the gig and you have all these other options it it was interesting I don't think Earl changes much but maybe that type of receiver is what they need to kind of produce a receiver one or kickstart them yeah yeah they need something because like you said this offense has just looked like they're not clicking um the uh, I'll move into my cell here, and this is a running back position group that I was interested in all year, all offseason here. I had one guy that I thought was going to win this. It's a Buffalo running backs. Um, Ron Cook Jr. is there, but he's been there for years, never really did anything. Um, he's also a little bit smaller. Mike Washington, the uh, freshman, redshirt freshman there, uh, was the guy that I thought was going to have a big year. Um, he, uh, performed well in spring at times, but nobody on this team has really stood apart. You know, Ron cook has 35 carries Mike Washington, 31 carries. No running back has more than 70 total yards from scrimmage in a game this year for them. Um, Washington three, 11 and eight fantasy points on the year cook six, 10 and 16. Nobody's performing. Well, Buffalo is just an awful team. It's, it's a timeshare. It's frustrating. Um, I was hoping that somebody would really step up here, but it has not been the case at all. Yeah, they've been really disappointing. Um, we shouldn't. We really shouldn't have been too. This is one of those like hindsight situations where the coaching staff leaves two years later. What they used to do really, really well, they do horribly. You know, like and that was Leopold's. Um, his mo was that run game, and it was so awesome. Right, Jarrett Passion was like the greatest thing that to bless college fantasy football. <laughs> uh, and the, the talent's not there. The scheme's not there. The staff's not there. I'm totally in agreement with Buffalo on selling. Yeah. Yeah, I'm out. I'm out on them altogether. Um, and then you have another sell on this list. And uh, I almost listed this as my sell. Um, so I'm very interested to hear your part. Yeah. I Northern Illinois running backs um, going into the season. They have, you know, Ontario Brown and Harrison Whaley. And then you come into the season, and the guys do pretty good, except now they have a third guy, Mason Blakemore, and they rotate them every single play, it feels like. Um, There's just – it's way too spread out that everybody's getting snaps. None of it makes sense. Ontario Brown gets the most snaps this week. Whaley gets no snaps, and it's reversed the next week. It's so crazy. Nothing is reliable about that team. Maybe things change in Maction because Maction is Maction, but at this current time, I can't, I can't get behind them. And that's more of a, you know, I think they'll produce as a group. We just will never know which one and none of it will ever feel safe. Yeah. I couldn't, couldn't have said it better myself. I, like I said, I almost listed them. Uh, I went Buffalo running backs instead, but just, they've been super frustrating. Um, you know, and we were pretty high on Ontario Brown over here, but just it hasn't been consistent. Like I said, maybe in Mac play, things will settle out a little bit, but uh, it's it's hard to predict who's going to go off each week. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so Austin and I do a uh, start sit competition uh, where we pick 10 starts, 10 sits. They are not obvious plays. Um, so, you know, we're not saying start Bijan. Um, you know, we're not saying start Caleb Williams. Uh, we're not saying sit the third wide receiver on Bowling Green or anybody like that. You know, these these are intended to help people. Um, we will have the score, the tally from week three when Austin gets back from the Cayman Islands because uh, he keeps the lists. Uh, I was winning. So, you know, if, <laughs> if, if I'm not after this, uh, I'll have some questions. But uh, and then Austin also hasn't turned his starts and sits in this week as well. So we got some shady stuff going on behind the scenes here. Uh, you know, call Austin out on Twitter, ask him for his starts and sits. I have mine. Um, I will run through my 10 and then I'm not going to ask you to throw 10 on there because that's a lot. Uh, so we'll just kind of go back and forth here on some starts and sits. And then once we get to the end, I'll finish my starts. Um, my first one that I have here is Izzy Abanaconda running back for Pitt. Back to back 100 yard games, 133 yards, 154 yards, touchdowns in both. Uh, the you know we weren't really sure after week one. Rodney Hammond looked like the guy. Now he's hurt. We don't know what's going on with him. Pat Narduzzi just traditionally a uh, no news kind of a guy, no updates on his injury stuff. So if Hammond is back, this makes it a little bit more questionable. But Izzy's been really good. It's a soft matchup against Rhode Island. I think I'm firing him up no matter what this week. Yeah, if the matchup is great too, right? Like I like to think, well, what's the worst case? Well, the worst case is Hammond is available. They crush Rhode Island, but they're going to run it, right? So yeah. you could still, I don't want to say luck into it, but you could still luck into a big game from Izzy if uh, Hammond's available. Yeah. Uh, and then who's your uh, first start here? Uh, I mean, we talked about Jalen Wayne already, but Jalen Wayne, the receiver for South Alabama against Louisiana Tech, just crazy production. Um, Louisiana Tech's not good. Um, they've given up a bunch of points. So I think that's kind of a, a closer to a no-brainer, uh, probably a little bit towing the line of your more obvious plays, but he wasn't all that expensive on DraftKings on Saturday. So I allow it for myself. Yeah, wasn't expensive on DraftKings. He was out there on some waivers prior to this past week. Uh, so it really wouldn't surprise me if there were people who had him and were considering not starting him. Uh, but, you know, I, I like that call there. My next one here, I have uh, Chris Tyree running back for uh, Notre Dame. And this Notre Dame offense has just really struggled so far throughout the year. Um, but so has UNC's defense. Uh, they are soft. They are 108th on football outsiders. Um, but the offense is good. So Notre Dame might have to actually throw the ball in this one, play a little bit of catch up. That's going to help Tyree. Um, Tyree had five targets last week and 17 carries. He's looking like he's going to be the second best offensive weapon behind Mayer. Uh, and when you're tight end and your pass catching running back are your two best options, kind of signals, you know, maybe your offense isn't that good. But Tyree's going to get the volume. He's going to get some work. Uh, I like Tyree this week. Yeah, it's, it's so frustrating. Tyree was like a guy that we you saw him play last year, and you're like, yeah, they should throw it to him a lot because he keeps doing really good things when they do that. And then they have three targets to him <laughs> in this year. It's like before the last game. So there's going to be a heavier emphasis on the run, and I think they realize, oh, shoot, like we need to actually throw it to somebody other than Mayer. We have no receivers left, so what should we do? So I like that play a lot. 
Yeah, especially in the matchup against UNC. Um, but uh, who's your next start here? Isaiah Bowser, which, by the way, if you're going to like, if you were to say, hey, what do you think Isaiah Bowser looks like? It's exactly what you would think Isaiah <laughs> Bowser looks like. Big guy, touchdown machine, um, running back for UCF. He's going to get a, just 15 to 20 carries against Georgia Tech, who uh, is just not great, right? We saw what Ole Miss did to him um, on Saturday, and I think that he's pretty much like a lock for a rushing touchdown, which I think he has five on the season so far, so. Yeah, Isaiah Bowser has some of the most ridiculous stat lines you can see. It's like 13 carries for 40 yards and four touchdowns. Like it's just it's ridiculous. But he's he's a lock for for a touchdown, like pretty much week in, week out. Um, my next start here, I have Tyrese Chambers, uh, wide receiver for FIU. Uh, they go up against Western Kentucky this week here. And first of all, FIU is going to have to throw the ball to keep up with Western Kentucky. Um, you know, Western Kentucky's offense, it's not quite what we thought it was going to be, but they've still been pretty consistent. Uh, they still pass the ball. They played well against Indiana, took that game into overtime. Uh, but they give up 264 yards passing per game, and they've had a couple of cupcakes so far, like Austin P. Um, so it's a soft matchup. And then Tyrese Chamber, um, through two games so far, they had a bye week in there. He had eight catches for 86 yards and two touchdowns, and then 10 catches for 72 yards. So he pretty much the funnel of this passing offense. So I think he's going to have a big week this week. Yeah. And what's really interesting is he was a huge play guy last year, like 45 catches for over a thousand. So for him to be a little bit more PPR focused is a good thing um, because you're not going to always be able to rely on those huge plays. So getting some of that kind of high floor with the touches is great. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And then, the next, uh, who, who's your next start here on the list? And, and I know I'm, I'm sure you were contractually obligated to. Yeah. Put one guy down here. <laughs> yeah so of course, right. Uh, Jalen Hyatt and Brew McCoy, the receivers for Tennessee against Florida. Okay. I, it is a thing. And it's probably a little <laughs> bit much at this point because Brew has been a little bit disappointing. I mean, although every receiver was disappointing on Saturday yeah. um, in a hypo offense, you want one of their top two receivers, the receiver three, like in the last three years for hypo, is something like 17% of targets. If Cedric Tillman is out, then both of them are great plays. If Tillman's in, I would lean more towards Hyatt as much as it pains me to say it. But against Florida, I think that should be a fun and exciting game. And you want – you, I mean, especially if Cedric Tillman is out, you want Hyatt. Um, PPR slot machine guy. So I think he'll be a really great play regardless. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like you said, if Hyatt is – or if uh, Tillman is out, then you got Brew McCoy filling in on the outside there. Um, and we can get a maybe we can get we can get a nice game for you for him. Yeah, it'd be nice. I'm gonna start. I got my birthday is on Monday, so hopefully, maybe you know, you I too? Get a little bit like of tomorrow? a present. No, 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 no. Uh, oh. The 26th. Oh, okay. Mine's tomorrow. Oh, well, happy birthday to us then. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, happy early birthday to you. I, I was like, wait, we share a birthday? Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but week apart, not bad. Um, my next start here is uh, Clay Millen. Um, again, he's going up against Sacramento state. Look, this is his last chance. Absolute last chance. It's a soft matchup. Like we talked about a little bit earlier, you know, they had a tough matchup against Michigan and he just haven't really got it going yet, but I'm willing to give it one more ride. So I'm starting clay Millen this week. Yeah. 
I mean, hey, if you if you were using them earlier, if you were using them earlier this season, you'd be crazy not to. Um, you know, there's I mean Sacramento State. You know, like yeah. if you're drafting them, this is the time to use them, right? Yep. Why even have them on your team if you're not going to play them against Sacramento State? So exactly. Uh, and then you got a you got an interesting guy here too. I like this guy a lot. Yeah, Payne Durham. I was on him. I wish I was on him more on Saturday against uh, Syracuse. And the reason why going into that game I was, was the targets weren't fully there. But we knew last year he was awesome and he was really pretty good. He's getting like crazy snap counts. Like he's, I think he has been on the field the most of every pass catcher on Purdue. So going into Syracuse, to me, the price was too low on DraftKings. Um, and there's just so much upside in that offense. I think if he's available you run and get him as fast as you possibly can. Um, I think he's going to have a monster rest of the year. At the end of the day, he's on the field in a great offense. Maybe Chuck Sizzle steals the thunder too much, but he'll, he'll be a really good consistent play for you. Yeah, and especially at a position where that's difficult to find. And at every down guy in a high-volume passing attack that is only funneled to one other guy right now, Chuck Sizzle. I like that call. He's a good all re- rest of season play as well. Um, my next guy here is uh, a guy that, you know, I had kind of been taking the wait and see approach on him. And it's at this point, I'm probably a little bit too late to pick him up, honestly, but it's Caden Salter quarterback for Liberty. Uh, he's been good, uh, so far this year for fantasy purposes. He's got 65 yards rushing, at least 65 yards rushing in every game so far. Uh, he's got a touch, a rushing touchdown in both of the last two games. 34, 24, and 23.9 fantasy points so far throughout the year. And then he gets Akron this week. And Akron is a very, very bad defense. They're ranked 126th uh, on Football Outsiders. Just atrocious. This is a a cupcake matchup. Uh, I'm firing him up with confidence now. Yeah, that's a... uh, Andrew from our show is a huge Salter fan. And was really... He said he was really hoping that Wake Forest and... uh, uh, Liberty, we're going to be on the DraftKings schedule because he was just going to just jam so much, have so much salt. But <laughs> guy is super athletic. He can run it. Um, he's looked really pretty good, generally speaking, in every matchup. And they get a, he gets a soft matchup. I mean, anytime you get a Q freeze quarterback, you want that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, my my biggest concern with Salter was kind of the, the off-field stuff, the knucklehead um, decisions that got him thrown out of Tennessee uh, before he even really got there. And then, you know, Charlie Brewer started the year as the quarterback, but hurt in game one and and Salter's come in and just hasn't looked back. He's been great. Yeah, he's been great for sure. Um, My next guy we've already talked about, so I'll be quick. Ashton Hawkins. I mean, the targets, the usage is there. They're going to be big favorites against Houston Baptist. Why would you not want their receiver one there? If they score 35, 40 points, there's no reason for him not to have a huge game. Avoid some defensive touchdowns, but otherwise that's a pretty much a no brainer to me. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to have to throw it. Um, my next guy here, I got Holton Allers quarterback for ECU. Um, he's had a great start to the year against a tough NC state defense in week one. He put up 27 fantasy points, uh, 25 points, and then 36 points last week. They get Navy. Uh, they're a little bit of a slower paced team, but they're the 85th best defense. So they're, they're, they're pretty poor. Um, Holton Allers has been good. And I think, you know, getting CJ Johnson back has been pretty big for him. Um, CJ Johnson was ineligible last year. He's a solid receiver. They have a couple other options there. The tight end is nice. So he's got guys to throw the ball to. 
Um, I, I, Alders is a guy that is probably a little more obvious in CFF leagues, but in C2C leagues, I'd fire him up for sure. Yeah, I mean, he's he's been at East Carolina forever, it feels like. Yeah. Um, and he always crushes at the end of the season, so it's good to see him do well early. The one thing you worry about is, like, does a triple option team just milk the clock? He never sees yeah. the football. I don't think Navy is really all that great. You know, like an army that can is very pretty, you know, is really pretty good. That would worry me. But Navy, who's just honestly not the as good as Navy's been in the recent years, that doesn't necessarily worry me. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, who who else you got here for your next start? So Seth Hennigan um, against North Texas for Memphis. So he's the quarterback for Memphis against North Texas. They've, they're giving up almost 37 points per game. He's chucking it around a good bit. Um, I don't know if there's a receiver there for him specifically. I would want to stack him with if you're playing DraftKings or something like that. But there's, it feels like he's going to be a, a high floor guy against that defense. Yeah, I like Seth Hennigan. I mean, I think that Memphis passing attack. Uh, I had some questions coming into the year after they lost Calvin Austin, uh, but they've just been spreading out a little bit more. But Seth Hennigan has still been just as good as he was last year. Um, I'll rip my next two here quick. Um, I have my next one. I have Marshawn Lloyd running back for uh, South Carolina. Uh, they go up against Charlotte this week. Charlotte's defense is ranked 130th out of 131 teams in the country. They are atrocious. So I know this whole rushing attack has been pretty bad so far this year. Um, no rusher on the team has over 100 yards on the season. Lloyd has 75 yards, two touchdowns on 27 carries. Gets a little bit involved in the pass game, 10 catches, 170 yards, and a touchdown. But I think this is a get-right game for South Carolina. They've had some tough matchups to start the year here. They had Arkansas. They had Georgia. Um, this is a cupcake. You know, most teams get their cupcakes in week, you know, two and three. They're getting it in week four. I like Lloyd a lot this week. And then my next one, uh, I have Quinshawn Judkins running back for Ole Miss. Ole Miss has just been feeding the ground game this year. Um Quinshawn Judkins is second on the team in carries. He still has 43 carries on the year. 289 yards, three touchdowns through three games so far. 17.5, 10.4, 21.8 fantasy points, double-digit carries in every game. Tulsa gives up 159 rush yards per game. Uh, I think that they're just going to feed the ground again, uh, and Quinshawn Judkins is going to benefit from that one. Yeah, Judkins is trending up for sure. I mean – it's a 1A, 1B situation. He actually outcarried Evans last week, maybe a little bit because of the blowout, but I mean, they love that guy and he's been great. I mean, that's a good yeah. matchup. Tulsa's given up points for sure. Yeah. Uh, and then who's your last start here? So my last one is Jaden Daniels. He's a little bit more, obviously, more well known LSU quarterback going up against New Mexico. Um, they just really need him to like to win, right? So they beat Southern by a, a bunch. And he, he had four touchdowns on 14 touches, basically. So <laughs> uh, that's pretty good. But, I mean, you're looking at 15 potential rushing attempts. Um, you're looking at 25 passing attempts. And he's going to have the majority of the touchdowns. So uh, I would consider him a really good matchup, um, even in the likes of, like, top 20 quarterbacks for the weekend. So a little bit bigger of a name, but – I would say he's over some of those top 20 guys for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, we are, I'm kind of off of him from an NFL perspective, but for CFF, uh, you know, he's going to produce, he's good on the ground. Um, he's got great weapons there to throw the ball to, even if he's not the best passer, 
Uh, and that, like you said, it's just a cupcake matchup. So I like that call. Uh, my last two here I have, uh, I have Rocket Sanders, and this one is a little more obvious. Uh, he's got over 20 carries and over 100 yards in every game so far. He's averaging 28 fantasy points, uh, but I was struggling to find a 10th. Um, so just in case you thought, should I sit Rocket Sanders against Texas A&M and, and their 18th ranked defense? Uh, the answer is no. I'm still firing up Rocket Sanders. Uh, and if you're keeping track at home, that was actually number nine. Because I had Chris Hotman Bell originally, did not realize he was going to be out for the uh, rest of the year here until my uh, my co-host so kindly informed me, uh, so that way I didn't make a fool of myself on air. Um, Donovan Ali is my next one here. Uh, he he's been as much of a go-to guy for this uh, Washington State passing attack as they've had. Eight targets, eight targets, eleven targets in, in the three games so far. Uh, last week, seven catches, 82 yards, two touchdowns. They go up against Oregon, which looks like a, t- a, a tough matchup on paper, but uh, they gave up 305 yards passing to BYU. Um, I think that Washington State can put up similar stat lines to BYU. I think this is a s- similar caliber of an offense. I think they're also going to have to throw the ball against Oregon. So Donovan Ali is a guy that I like this week. Uh, yeah, I mean, Rocket Sanders, obvious play, but you know, like it's all it's AM, right? Like Knight yeah. and Parrish didn't have crazy games, but I also think Rocket's better than those two. And Ollie yeah. feels like a good receiver option that could be a um, that could be a high scoring kind of a crazy game that could be a fun one to watch. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. Um, all right, so we'll just uh, rip our 10 starts here, uh, rip our starts here in order. Uh, mine first, I have Izzy Abanaconda, Chris Tyree. Tyrese Chambers, Clay Millen, Caden Salter, Holton Allers, Marshawn Lloyd, Quinshawn Judkins, Rocket Sanders, Donovan Ali. Perfect. Yeah, and I have uh, Jalen Wayne, Isaiah Bowser, Jalen Hyatt, Brew McCoy, Payne Durham, Ashton Hawkins, Seth Hennigan, and Jaden Daniels. All right. Uh, moving into sits here. Um My first one I have is Darren Granger, uh, quarterback for Georgia State. Um, He's been a start for me the past two weeks. Both of those were great matchups, you know, and and he's actually been one of the top quarterbacks throughout the year so far in fantasy purposes. But it's back to the bench for him in this one for me. Uh, They get Coastal Carolina this week. It's pretty good defense. I think they're going to slow the game down. He's just not going to have quite the same volume he's had the past two weeks. So. Uh, he can bring some with his legs, and that could be the difference maker. But I'm 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 sitting him this week. Yeah, you have to be in a deep league, I think, to play a guy like him against Coastal. Coastal's really got a good defense, so I agree with you there. Uh, it's funny the two the, my top two sits that I listed out we've talked about: uh, Anthony Richardson, the quarterback, obviously against Tennessee, and then Tyler Van Dyke, the quarterback against Middle Tennessee State. Just have seen absolutely nothing out of them. Um, and I, you know, I'm not risking it, you know, in theory, these should be great matchups, but they've had good matchups already and have done nothing. So those two are sits for me. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I had Anthony Richardson on my list too. And when Austin and I do these, we don't reveal them ahead of time. So we have a little bit of overlap. That's okay. Um, but yeah, I completely agree with you on Anthony Richardson and, and Van Dyke too. I think they're both guys that I'm sitting, you know, Richardson, like we said at the beginning of the show, you know, he could put up 100 yards on the ground and make you look foolish any given week, but I don't see how you can start him with confidence at this point. 
Um, my next sit here is uh, Lou Nichols, running back for Central uh, Michigan. Now, Lou Nichols is very clearly the focal point of that offense, uh, but he's only topped 100 yards from scrimmage once so far this year, and that was last week with 166 yards rushing against a bad Bucknell team. Um, Ray Bucknell, I grew up 10 minutes from there. Um, so soft foot in my heart, but not a good team. Uh, they get a tough matchup this week against, uh, my other local team, Penn state, uh, seventh best defense on football outsiders. They only give up 93 yards rushing per game, give up 119 yards to Auburn this past week. Uh, this is a tough matchup for him. Now the passing game usage could save Lou Nichols's day, uh, because he is the focal point of this offense, but I'm not expecting much on the ground. I'm not starting him with confidence. Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, when you're like the superstar of the team, they're down a couple of receivers too, I believe as well. So they're getting pretty thin and against Penn state, you know, it's just never really a great situation for a team like central Michigan. Yeah. Uh, who you got next? Jermaine Burton, who we've kind of talked about a little bit um, against Vandy, the Alabama receiver. He's just not getting a ton of targets, two targets last week, five the week before that against Texas. So, you know, in a game where they should win by five or six touchdowns, you know, I just would, I could see them just spreading the points around everywhere. So not a big fan of Burton, uh, Burton in a matchup where you might get two, three targets and uh, Bama still wins by 60. So, yeah, I mean, honestly, Burton, as much hype as we had for him at the beginning of the year, massive disappointment. He could be a sit until further notice, honestly. Um, Shockingly, not wrong. It's crazy <laughs> to think, but yeah. that's where we're at right now. Yeah. Um, my next sit here, I have Jirel Brock running back for Iowa State. He's got back-to-back 100-yard games before last week's blowout win. They didn't really need him last week. They get a tough matchup this week in Baylor. Baylor's the 17th best defense on football outsiders, uh, and they only give up 84 yards rushing per game. Uh, I'm not confident in him in this one here. Um, I think this game just in general is going to be slower paced, low scoring. Uh, so I'm not starting Brock this week. Yeah, that seems to be kind of the trend with Iowa State. I guess any team in Iowa is like slower paced, low scoring against a team like Baylor. That's just not really a matchup that uh you really want to get fancy with and do that yeah um so with you there tavian robinson the receiver for kentucky is my next one they go up against northern illinois who has given up a bunch of points but robinson doesn't seem to be the receiver one for them just doesn't feel that way he's getting targets they're putting him in the backfield and then they just don't give him the football um i mean he's catching pretty much everything thrown his way but they're just if he's not getting touchdowns, which he hasn't been, it's just hard for him to put up a big stat line because he's not your 20 to 25 yards per reception type. So I'm sitting him. Yeah. I, Tavian Robinson's a guy that I like. I think he's talented. I think he's kind of a Wandale Robinson light. Um, but, and they've been using him kind of similarly to that, but they've just been thrown to those freshman receivers like Dane yeah. Keen, Barry, and Brown. And it's so, yeah, working. I, yeah. So why would they go away from it? I like that call. Um, my next sit here is a guy we talked about a little bit earlier, uh, and you know, he might not even end up starting this week at Donovan Smith, uh, quarterback against Texas. You know, we'll see if, if we hear any rumblings at Baron Morton starting, but even if he is, I'm sitting Morton, I'm sitting whoever this Texas tech quarterback is. They get Texas this week. Texas's defense has been 
good uh, this year so far. Under Gary Patterson, I think he's really revitalized that defense a little bit more sooner than we expected. They're the 18th best defense on football outsiders. Um, you know, so it's a tough matchup. Donovan Smith struggled last week. Um, and, you know, we, we talked about it a lot earlier in the show, so I'm not starting him this week or whoever ends up starting that game for Texas Tech. Yeah, I mean, they look good against Bama until the last yep. drive, really, right? So, like, there's no reason to think that um, Donovan is the Donovan Smith, <laughs> the guy that's going to break the Texas defense. Um, yeah. So, I will go quarterback here as well with JT Daniels against my Virginia Tech Hokies, the quarterback for West Virginia. Thursday night game, that place is going to be kind of – it's going to be crazy loud. Um, he's throwing a bunch of picks, and this Tech defense is very, very good. Um, they haven't played the best of opponents, but against Boston College a few weeks back, they only gave up 150 yards passing and four total rushing yards. So that defense is looking really good, and I think uh, that's a sit for me. He's just pure passing usage, which is nice, but this is not the matchup for him. Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, Virginia Tech head coach Brent Pry came over from Penn State. He's a defensive coordinator over there for a while. Um, I, I like that hire by Virginia Tech, and I, I like that call sitting uh, JT Daniels. Um, my next sit here is another group that we talked about a little bit earlier, and that's the North uh, Northern Illinois running backs. Uh, none of these running backs have topped 100 yards in a game so far this year. Uh, they are actually only 82nd in the country in rushing yards. They average 154 rushing yards per game. They get Kentucky, the 15th best defense on football outsiders. They only give up 101 rush yards per game. I don't know who's going to get the ball for the carries like we talked about, but they might have to pass more in this one, to be honest with you, to keep up with the Kentucky. So I'm not starting Brown or Whaley, or if I had him, Blake Moore. There's, yeah, there's just way too much going on there. We've talked about it already. It's just a good running backs that are just being used in a way that doesn't provide any value to us fancy fans, which I'm sure their coach really cares about. <laughs> um, Emery Jones is my next sit going up against Utah. He's the quarterback for Arizona state. Uh, Herm Edwards fired today. Well, on Sunday, I should say he's just not really a great passer and he's a pure runner and Utah is a good defense, right? We've, we all know that. Um, I think Arizona State's going to be a little too one-dimensional, and you know he's got two passing touchdowns and three rushing touchdowns on the year. If he can't produce a great out, uh, a great game against Eastern Michigan, then I can't imagine he's going to do that against Utah. Yeah, and Utah got gashed earlier in the year by uh, Anthony Richardson on the ground against a rushing quarterback. You got to figure that they just saw a player like Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson, and they got beat by him. They're going to do everything they can to shut him down in the running game. So I yeah, like that and, call there. And one would could argue that they're two different styles of runners too. Yes. Right. Richardson is that big speed. While Emory's a little bit more of like the bowling ball in a sense. He's a yeah. little bit more physical. Right. Um, my next sit here is um, I, I think this is probably the boldest one on the list here, but uh, at least the first one here, I'm sitting Sam Hartman, I'm also sitting A.T. Perry uh, against Clemson. Um, Sam Hartman has been very good since he's been back. Um, you know, but the last two years against Clemson, he's been terrible. Uh, 13 fantasy points and seven fantasy points the last two years. Clemson's won 13 games in a row against Wake Forest. Uh, and last year was the only year that Wake Forest had scored more than 14 points against Clemson during Dave Clawson's tenure, dating back to 2014. Uh 
Clemson just does not match up well. Or Wake does not match up well against Clemson. They have issues with Clemson's defensive line being so good, and they have that long mesh uh, point in the offense that they run. I'm just not confident in Hartman this week. And then through that, A.T. Perry. Uh, A.T. Perry actually hasn't been great so far this year. Three catches, 47 yards. Five catches, 142 yards and a touchdown. And four catches for 33 yards through the first three games. Uh, he has 12 catches on 26 targets. That's that's terrible. I mean, target usage is good, but that's a sub 50% catch rate. That's not good at all. So I'm not firing up either of these guys this week. I'm sitting them both. Yeah, I was ready to to go to bat for the Wake Forest guys, and you kind of sold me. Uh, I do think that's a bad matchup, and I forgot how bad they've been more recently. Uh, if they're not, I mean, Perry, if he's not going to have a good game against Liberty, I don't know yeah. he's, how he's going to have a good game against Clemson. So I'm with you. Um, Jaheim Bell, the tight end for South Carolina, they go up against Charlotte, which we've kind of mentioned earlier. You know, I don't know what really they're trying to do with Jaheim Bell. It's like they put him in the backfield and they, you know, they try to use him like Debo, but then they only put him on the field for like half the time. They throw it to Stogner more than they do throw it to him, it feels like. And I could probably take a look at that real quick, but I just don't really understand what they're trying to do. Um, and they're really misusing. I mean, Stockner's got 11 targets to Bell's eight. Eight targets in three games, and he's not really a runner, but they still make him run. It's very weird. I don't know what they're doing. Even in the soft matchup, I'm out on that one. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that, too. Um, My next sit here is a guy near and dear to your heart, uh, J.J. McCarthy. Um, Through the first three weeks, um, 12 fantasy points, 31 fantasy points against Hawaii and then 11 fantasy points uh, against three of arguably three of the worst teams in FBS. Uh, they're, they've had a soft matchup so far. Um, not that Maryland is great, but they're solid. They're a better They're a better team than any of the teams that they face so far. JJ McCarthy has yet to attempt 20 passes as well. Uh, I think he might have to hit that mark in this one. Um, and he does bring rush, nice rushing upside with his legs, but I don't trust him just yet. I'm not starting him this week. Yeah, I, this is one of those ones that is tough because he, you know, he didn't play in game one, and then he got pulled early in game two because they're killing him, and then they're not really needing him in game three. So we don't even know what we yeah. have in JJ McCarthy. We've seen like glimpses of what he could be, but those have all been cream puff matchups. Um, so I don't have any issue with sitting him. I think we're in wait and see mode. Yeah. Uh, he has the opportunity to be the potential to be like a superstar quarterback just because he can run so well and that offense should be really good. But some of these games, they just don't need him, yep. which makes it very tough to roster him. But uh, I'm going to round it out with my list of sits with another tight end, Gar- uh, Gavin Bartholomew against Rhode Island. You know, there was a lot of hype on him going into the season and he just, doesn't command a ton of targets. Um, he's a good tight end, but nothing crazy athletically. It's a soft matchup, but it's one of those situations where I could just see them completely forgetting that he's around. And I'm fairly positive they had a, I mean, didn't they just come off a big win and he barely yeah. got used there too? So I don't think, you know, a soft matchup would even benefit him. It would almost be better if they were playing someone tough because then he'd have to be used more. So, I'm sitting him against Rhode Island. Yeah, I like that call too. Um, I don't think they're going to need him in this one, like you said. Uh, my last two here that I have, uh, I have Quentin Johnston 
wide receiver for TCU. Uh, he's got five catches for 44 yards on the season. That's terrible. Uh, no, <laughs> no wide receiver for TCU has double-digit targets through two games, um, despite them attempting 57 passes. They are just spreading this ball all over the place. Uh, this isn't a bad matchup this week. Um, you know, he gets SMU, and I think they're going to have to throw the ball, and I think they're going to have to score. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game overall. But I can't trust Quentin Johnston, um, not with the way that they've been using him. I've gotten a lot of stuff wrong in the last six months. I have nailed Quentin Johnston. <laughs> I never understood, and I knew, you know, I know it's a lot of it was based around like the new offensive scheme and his like athleticism and his talents. Just never, never felt like it would click or come to fruition. If he can't do anything against SMU, though, you, you can definitely. You can, I shouldn't say definitely, you can get very close to cutting him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm probably not cutting him just yet in C2C leagues just because of that athleticism on the NFL, the NFL potential side. side. Yeah. But yeah, I'm not starting him with any sort of confidence. Uh, and then my last guy is a guy that I'm, uh, is a sit until further notice for me too. I, I've, I'm have a hard time trusting him. And that's Nathaniel Pete running back for Missouri. Uh, the guy that I was pretty high on coming into this year, given the usage that we've seen out of uh, the running backs for Missouri, but Nathaniel Pete, he was a little bit banged up. So maybe that has something to do with it here, but six carries, eight carries and 13 carries so far through three games. Um, Cody Schrader is the leading running back here. Nathaniel Pete has been involved in the passing game a little bit, but the usage is just not good. Um, I, I don't trust him here and they get Auburn. Um, Auburn, despite, you know, what they gave up to Penn state last week in a couple big plays, um, you know, I still think this is a good, uh, a solid defense here, especially on the rushing side. So I don't, I don't trust, uh, Nathaniel Pete this week or moving forward. It's very weird. What's been going on with Pete. He was banged up in the off season. And then he comes into the, the first week of the season and looks the best out of every running back, in my opinion. And then only sees like six carries, seven carries, like, I don't know what uh, Dinkowitz is doing, but it's not something I can trust at all. I have no. have him in a couple of leagues, and I haven't been able to pull the trigger because it just there's no confidence, and yeah. even in a good matchup, no confidence. Yep. Um, all right, I'll read my ten off here. Um, we'll, you read yours off, then we'll get out of here. Um, I have Darren Granger, Lou Nichols, Jirel Brock, Donovan Smith, or Baron Morton, whoever ends up starting. The NIU running backs, Sam Hartman and A.T. Perry, J.J. McCarthy, Anthony Richardson, Quentin Johnston, Nathaniel Pete. And I have Anthony Richardson, Tyler Van Dyke, Jermaine Burton, Tavion Robinson, J.T. Daniels, Emery Jones, Jaheim Bell, and Gavin Bartholomew. Awesome. Um, so we, uh, we'll, we'll tally yours up too there. We'll, we'll see how you, you fare, uh, this week against just, Austin and I, <laughs> is this like the guest picker, you know, where they're like, you know, he went eight and two in all the picks. Hopefully yeah. I get the top spot and then I just never come back and have to relive it, try to match up to it. But there you go. I mean, Hey, you, you'll have bragging rights. Yeah. If you end up with the top spot. Uh, but thank you, Chris. I really appreciate you hopping on here and joining me, um, at realist Chris K on Twitter. Um, you know, great addition to the C2C team over here, but tell the people where they can find uh, the rest of your work and, and what you got cooking. Yeah, I got a bunch of stuff, obviously, on the C2C side of things um, for DFS. Um, Saturday main slate, going to try to do more Saturday night slate as well on top of that. 
otherwise, burning the red shirt, the Twitter account is BTR underscore pod. And uh, we try to do one podcast a week, a little less analytical, very, very little structure. This, it's funny. This is really buttoned down, good structure, show sheet, stuff like that. Like we'll literally go into the pod and just be like, what do we want to talk about? And then just talk. Right. But it's a good time. Uh, Andrew, Zach and myself have been BSing for about 10 years. So you have a good rapport, but yeah, BTR underscore pod is where you can find me there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you guys can tell you when you listen to the BTR pod, you guys are just like friends for a long time. Kind of the same chemistry that Austin and I have going to on the air where, you know, it just, it's just very natural and everybody can tell and you just, it sounds like you're just in a room talking football with some, yeah. know, some good buddies. So I, I love that. I love listening to the BTR pod. You guys awesome. are great. Um, but I, again, appreciate you joining Chris. Um, uh, but uh, we'll get you out of here. We, we ran a little bit long. Um, as always, I'm Colin. And this and is I'm Chris. Chris. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I haven't heard the ending of a show before. Is this where I say no, I'm Chris? Good. Yeah, no, well, Austin and I do that, and you know, I do a terrible job setting up uh, setting what? up my guest on on the exit. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Let's okay. run it back one more time. All right, take number two. All right, I'm Colin, and I'm Chris, and have a good one.